The Holy Gospel is from the Gospel of Luke, the 12th chapter. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the dominion of God. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If the master comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, Blessed are those slaves. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. God's beloved people, grace to you in peace from God our Creator and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Once when I was a teenager, I found myself at Deitman's Bible Bookstore on a Saturday afternoon. This was when Deitman's was somewhere by Lincoln High School. I don't remember quite where it was. And I don't remember why my family was there. We did not frequent Bible bookstores. But what I do remember is the poster that caught my eye. It was hanging on the wall. It was a photo of a silhouette of a bare tree against a night sky with these words, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. You'll recognize that as the first verse of our Hebrews reading today. At the time, those many years ago, I had no clue that this is one of the most popular verses in Christian merchandising. I could have gotten it on a t-shirt and a mug and a tea towel, but I was unaware of that. All I knew was that there was something about these words and this picture that captured me and drew me in. I ponied up my allowance and purchased the poster. It hung on my bedroom wall for the rest of high school. At first glance, this verse from Hebrews may seem to declare the certainty of faith. Words like assurance and evidence feel very solid, very sure. But that's not how I heard them as a young person. They spoke of a connection I felt, I still feel, to something, someone, who is beyond my grasp and beyond my comprehension. Even then, I found it comforting that faith did not depend on certainty, but could dwell in things like trust and hope and even longing. These words stand at the beginning of a chapter of Hebrews that is all about trust and hope and longing. The 11th chapter is a litany of our ancestors in faith. Abraham and Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, David, people who responded to God's call, even though they had very little information about what that would look like what it would mean for their lives, what it would cost them. Yet the writer of Hebrews points to these people as examples of faith. 
Yet when you read their stories, none of them felt much certainty at all. Abraham questioned God, pumped God for more information, as we heard in our first reading today. Jacob wrestled with God, demanding the promise and blessing that he so desired from God. Moses complained to God about the task he had been given. He was afraid and unsure and really, to be honest, pretty whiny. And King David, if you've read his story, you know that his demons were as bright as his angels. So why this list of malcontents and aggressors and betrayers? Why are they held up as examples of faith? Because they all knew what it meant to live by promises. And at its heart, I think this is what faith is, trusting and hoping and living in the promises of God. I often hear faith described as a virtue that some people possess. But faith is not our possession at all. It does not begin with us. It is not born of our own belief or dedication or hard work. Faith is a spirit-led response to God's faithfulness. It is God who gets this whole ball rolling, after all. It is God who initiates a relationship with us. We see this pattern over and over again in Scripture. The Genesis text is a good example. God forged a relationship with Abraham and Sarah kind of out of the blue. God forged this relationship with promises Promises to be faithful, to provide for them, and to fill their lives with more meaning and purpose than they could have ever imagined. These words were not casual promises on God's part. To demonstrate this, God made a covenant with them. God bound God's self to divine promise. It is this committed covenant love and these enduring promises that made it possible for Abraham and Sarah to step out in faith, to take the risk of responding to God. Even when things didn't go according to their expectations, when they didn't understand God's timing, when they struggled and doubted and messed up, they were held fast in this covenant love. Steadfast promises made a life of trust and hope possible for them. This was true for Jacob and Joseph and Moses, for Peter and Mary Magdalene and John, for Mary and Martha, for Paul, and it is true for us. God's steadfast promises to us in Christ create space for us to live as people of trust and hope, people of faith. God's covenant love is expressed for us in baptism as it will be for little Caleb Olshner at the 945 service today. In baptism, we hear the promise that before we are stamped with any other identity, we are first and foremost children of God, joined to Christ. This is our primary identity. We are promised that there is nothing that can separate us from this love. Sealed by the cross of Christ forever, is the language that we use. These sacred promises have the power to create life in us. 
Because we belong to God, because our identity is connected to Christ, we don't have to spend time and energy inventing our own identities. We do not have to earn our worth, prove our value, or curate our image or brand. I know this is countercultural in this day and age. Contrary to many of the messages of our culture, you are not a product or a brand. Don't let anyone ever convince you of that. Your life is not a performance. It is a gift from God, infused with divine grace and mercy. This is the promise we hear in baptism. As it did with our ancestors, this promise comes with a call, the call to let the light of Christ shine through you. Be ready for action, we hear Jesus say in the gospel text. Have your lamps lit. This is the posture of Christian faith, awake and ready to meet Christ in all of the unexpected ways he comes to us, prepared to be his body in the world, to shine the light of his grace, to live out his vision of the reign of God, and to lean into God's promised future together. It has been an indescribable honor to join you in this calling over these past 11 years. I know that pastors have some unique responsibilities in a congregation. We are accountable for specific things described in our letter of call. But pastor is not our primary identity. My primary identity, like you, is child of God, baptized into the family of Christ, Over these last years, you have walked beside me as I have walked beside you. Together we have sung and prayed and served. We have laughed and cried and wrestled with big questions about God and about what it means to be Christ's body in the world at such a time as this. Through all of this, we have been held in the covenant love of God, a love that will never let us go. May God continue to fill you with trust and hope and a holy longing for the reign of God. Together, may we continue to lean into God's promised future. For all that has been and all that will be, we say thanks be to God. Amen. If you have-